Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now let's listen in with Pastor Jay Petty. This morning, what I'd like to talk about is the abiding presence of God. And it is an interesting conversation as I was praying this last week. It's God dropped that into my heart, an abiding presence. And that means, that means something very significant to all of us is because it's not just because we have him always. It's because he abides with us always. And when we get still and we get quiet and we get into those places where we are uh, alone with God, we begin to, he begins to manifest his presence to us and we begin to feel his presence as he begins to touch us, as he begins to minister to us personally, as we are communicating and have our communion with him. There's nothing more important than being alone with God. And there's nothing more important than walking where he's walking. And really, that's really what God wanted us. He wanted us to live a real life walking with him so that wherever we went, we have an abiding presence of him in our relationships and in every place we go. Now, that takes a little forethought here because that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning is that in the beginning, God created us to walk with him. That is the aim of God and it's always been the aim of God for us to walk with him. So we start in Genesis 3.8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. You ever done that? Tried to hide yourself from the presence of God because of something? You felt ashamed of something that you did you know you shouldn't have done and, and, and you felt you needed to repent but, and you needed to get back in relationship with God but you felt so bad about what happened that you started to hide yourself from him. That's what we do. That's not what God wants, but that's what we do. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They hid themselves because what they did was they hid themselves from him because of what they had done. And they, they wanted to fill, they wanted God's presence, but something happened to them. Their eyes were open. They saw things completely different than before. Their spirit man was gone. And when they heard him coming, it frightened them. Isn't it amazing that that's what God intended for everyone? Not to hide, but to walk in his presence on a day-to-day basis, no matter where we go, no matter what we do. Jesus was a living demonstration of that walking presence all the days of his life. Because wherever Jesus went, God went with him. And everything that Jesus did, he did because the Father was showing him what to do. He didn't do anything without God. And the Holy Spirit was always present with him, speaking through him, working through him, demonstrating the very nature of what God intended for you and me. Isn't that amazing? Exodus 33, 14 puts it in this way. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. Isn't that amazing? See, that's the way we should want to live our lives, that we should want not to go any place that God doesn't want us to be. We should want the desire that God walks with us no matter where we go, even if it is in the presence of our enemies. Even if he puts us in the presence of a very dark place, it should be that we want God in the midst of that dark place. I think what we do in our lives is that we just get about living and we just kind of forget about God. Not completely, but just in the walk of our day. We just kind of forget about God. 
would just kind of forget about the fact that he's there. And sometimes we forget him not one day, but two days and three days and four days. And sometimes it's a week. And it seems like the further we get away from that walk, the further we get away from him. See, if your presence will, does not go with us, do not bring us from here. For how will they know? How will it, we be known as your people? Uh, and I have. Uh, I'm sorry, I've lost my place. Isn't it terrible to get old and can't read? So we shall be separate, your people and I, for all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. In other words, favor. I, and I know you by name. And then he said, please, Show me your glory. Anybody who's a Christian and you touch the presence of God, you don't ever lose that. In fact, you want to feel that presence over and over again. And the greater the intensity of that presence in our lives, the more and more we want that, the more and more we desire that. We just, we just want him to touch us. We just want him to be where we are. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It's no wonder that when you come into the presence of God, it's not so much that we begin to see his face, but we begin to experience in his presence his very character. Many times when we feel the presence of God and we're troubled in our lives, the first thing that begins to go is all the trouble, and we begin to feel joy and peace begins to overwhelm us. And many times when we're there and we stay in that place, all of a sudden we begin to weep and cry because the presence of God begins to touch us in places that we have not been touched or have lost that touch in our life. See, God is a God who wants to live with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants us to know that he's our God. He wants people to see him through our lives. He wants to express his power through us and the things that we do, and the way that we live, and the way that we walk, and the way we treat one another, and the way we love each other. And so Moses saw the goodness of God. He saw the grace of God. He saw the love of God. He saw the power of God. And it forever changed his life. From that point on, from that point on, when, when, when they had built the, the tent of meeting, Moses would meet face to face with God. God would come over the tent of the meeting and they have, would have a face to face conversation. And the thing that separated them from one another was a simple veil. And over and over again, he would come. And over and over again, he would enter into his presence. And over and over again, he would be touched by God. And over and over again, he would be strengthened by God. And over and over again, he would be changed by God, by that glory that he walked in. The scripture says that we are changed into his image from glory to ever-increasing glory. And that's what happened to Moses in that place. He was changed. We get so busy with life, we forget to walk. Not just with God, we forget to walk with each other. We get so caught up in our own lives that we close ourselves off from everyone around us. 
and we isolate ourselves from the very purpose that God had given us his spirit for, was to love. One thing I know that God always loves, and his love never changes, towards you or towards anyone. In fact, God doesn't even judge anyone at this point in any way, shape, or form. He just pours out his love to them. He bears all things, he believes all things, he hopes in all things, and he endures in all things. He builds a cover over all of us, all of our, all of our misgivings in silence, and he never says a word. And he patiently is waiting upon us. He believes in us. He believes in us. And he entrusts himself to us. And we should entrust ourselves to him. Not some of the time, not just on Sunday morning, but every day in our walk with God. Because that is a transforming power that changes our lives and brings us into a deeper place where he is. Because God literally wanted us to be with him as our father. And so much he says, my spirit I give you, and you cry, Abba, Father. And my spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are the children of God. And so we, we live in this place where God is reflecting us that we belong to him, that we are his children, and that he loves us no matter what. And sometimes we forget that as we get caught up in the life that we begin to live. And sometimes we begin to struggle because of the way we feel. But if you could see it through his eyes, the only thing you could see in his actions towards you is his love. His love. His love. And how much he loves you. And how significant you are to him. In the Old Testament, God gives us a picture of his abiding presence. In Exodus 13, 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. And as so as to go by day and night, they did not take away the pillar of, uh, of the cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God... God, when he, when he brought his people together, was trying to bring them into uh, uh, an understanding as of how much he loved them. He left them with an abiding presence. And, and, and no matter what, they could look out their tent and they could see the glory of God. They could see the presence of God. They knew God was with them no matter what. And they would stay there and they would abide with him. And whatever God wanted them to do, they would do in that place. And if he wanted them to stay in that place, they would stay in that place. And when he wanted them to leave, they would leave. And when he wanted them to go at night, he would just take that pillar of fire and would be bright enough so that they could walk in the darkness. God has not changed his desire for his walk with his people. Like a mom who loves her children. And no matter how old they become, their children, they still love them. And the one thing they still want is they still want them near them. Why? Because it's blessing to them. They want to be able to express to them, even as they're grown-ups, how much they love them. Mothers want to share with them, their, the, with their children, with their daughters. They want to go shopping. They want to go do stuff. They want to, like on holidays, they want to cook together. Their whole thing is about love. It's genuine. And so is God's love for us. It's genuine and real. We're the ones who walk away. It's not them.
We're the ones that turn away because of struggles and journeys in our life. That's how it works. Something happens. Drama. When drama happens, the only thing that you can focus on is the drama. Everything that you talk about in your story is about that drama. Everything you speak about in that, in that whole story is drama. It has nothing to do with anything except it's your drama that you're stuck in. And that's where it holds you. It's not where God wants you to live. It's not even how God wants you to walk. Because you choose to live there, and you choose to think there, and you choose to complain there, and you choose to point fingers there, and you allow that to rob you of all your peace and all your joy, and you allow it to rob you of what God wants you to walk in, and it consumes you. And it overwhelms you. Unless you go get some help from someone, it begins to turn inward. And as it begins to turn inward, it begins to turn bitter. And as it begins to turn bitter, it begins to make you feel ugly on the inside of your life. Why can't we just let it go and just love one another? Honestly, why can't we just let it go and just love with God's love that is in us? No, we've got to hold them to account. We've got to make them pay. The only person who's paying is you, and it's in your torment. Have you ever been in a store and you see somebody that you don't want to see and where do you go? What do you do? You go down the other aisle. That's how you know it's real. That's how you know the drama still lives inside of you because you can't say to them, it doesn't matter to me anymore what happened. You can't say to them, you know, hi, how are you doing? How's life treating you? You know, it's really good to see you. You can't say that because that's not what, you, what you're allowing to be in your heart. What you're allowing to remain in your heart is all that drama that came out of nothing has been built up into a great mountain and the story that you live in. What would Jesus do? You know what he'd do? He'd say, you who are without sin cast the first stone. You who are perfect, cast the first stone. You who have never created any drama in your life, you be the first one to cast the stone. Isn't it amazing that if we look at ourselves, we're imperfect? How many of you do walk perfectly all the time? Anybody? God, no. This whole journey with God, this whole journey with the abiding presence of God is, is about being changed over and over in your walk with God. It's about a transformation. It's about you becoming more like him in your character. And that what people see in you, they begin, begin to see that love, that, that Jesus that, that we have. You, they begin to see it. But let me ask you a question, what do they see? Psalms 116.11 says, You will show me the paths of life. life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. This is not when you get to heaven, guys. This is now. God's pathway in the abiding presence of God is the abiding presence will always lead you to joy. 
It's about being joyful. It's about filling the joy of the Lord in your life. It's about walking in that joy because that is who God is. He's a God of joy. God doesn't get depressed. And God doesn't get caught up in the drama of people's lives. God never changes his position. And what he really desires the most is that if we are walking in his presence, that we walk in what he is. It's already inside of you. It's in your heart. But we make a choice how we live our lives. See, faith says, I need to walk in joy. Faith says, I need to walk in the goodness of God. Faith says, I need to walk in the good pleasures of the Lord. That's what faith says, that I should walk. Because that's who God is. This journey is not about getting to heaven. This journey is about transformation in our walk. If you don't realize that you're already in heaven, you're just waiting for this old flesh to fall off of you. So it's not about you getting to heaven. It's about your walk now. How are you going to walk out your life? What are people going to see in that walk? Isn't it amazing? Here's the other thing about, about all that stuff. I don't know if I have it in here or not, but I'll bring it up at this moment. Is that in all that drama that we live in, the thing that God really is trying to get you to see is your own life. What I mean by that, it's all the impurities of your own heart. How? By what you're living in. When you're living in that drama and you're living in that story, it shows all the impurity of your own heart. God is assaying your heart. He's showing you how imperfect you are and how he, by his spirit, would really like to do is to remove that impurity out of your life and out of your heart and transform you just a little bit more. Isn't that pretty amazing? And I don't care how long you've been a Christian. And I don't care how holy you are. You still have a journey of transformation. It is a journey of transformation from glory to glory. Psalms 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there you, you, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even night sh shall be a light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night, but the night shines as the day, and darkness as the light are both, uh, both alike. I don't know what I said there. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Do you know what that means? Even in the midst of your story, there's light. I don't know why we get so stuck in life. I don't know why we get so stuck in the things that, that are holding us. I don't know why we get so stuck in what happened to us. Because as a Christian, God's there to lift us up out of that place and to reveal to us his pattern and his walk for our life. No matter where you're at, God is. How many of you ever felt like you were all alone and God was not even present? 
She's always been there. I, I, I tell the story. I remember one time I, I had, at home I had a my I had a room where I'd go pray every day, and I've told you the story before. But I'd go in there and I'd pray, and sometimes I, when I was praying and worshiping, I could just God's spirit would just overwhelm me, and I could just feel His presence all around me, and it just was you know it was like a strength of my day. And some days I would go in, and I couldn't find it. And the first thing I would do is I would say, God, where are you? And then I said, God, did I do something wrong? Are you mad at me? And one day, he dropped this little word in my heart. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, it is an amazing thing. Even when you feel alone, you're not. And the moment I realized, I realized and I said to God, God, I know you're here. No matter what, you're here. And that thing that used to come and, and, and I couldn't feel his presence broke and it never came back again. Why? Because he's always there. No matter what, he's always present with you. He's always present around you. He's always abiding with you, no matter what. What are the things that we think? Because it's the things we feel. And the things we feel we count as more real than the truth of what God's word says. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. God has not changed the church. The church tried to change God. And what I mean by that is that we accept what we accept and reject what we don't want. The one thing that is forever sure is what the Bible says about God, no matter what. Acts 2, 2. That suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. At the birth of the church, it was like when Moses was in the desert with God. The glory of God was seen and it was visible. At the birth of the church, it was seen and visible. When God came in, it was with a mighty rushing wind. It was a great sound. Everyone around could hear it. Everyone, even though they didn't understand it, they could, they could hear the sound of that, that wind. It seemed like it was a hurricane or whatever it sounded like. But the other thing was that was so visible was that God began to set his spirit upon each one. And how did he do it? With tongues of fire. You go back to the prophetic word of John the Baptist and he said, he, John the Baptist says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. On the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, the church began to experience something about the manifest presence of God and the abiding presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that fell that day. It fell, and God not just came upon them, but he, he filled them with his Holy Spirit, empowering them with the manifestation of his own son by his spirit in their lives. From that point on, no matter what you read, you can read on from that point on, and every time God moved, it was because they were filled with the spirit. Every time he began to move, they were filled with the spirit, and God began to manifest and do these things and do those things. Why? It demonstrated the abiding presence of God with the church. 
It demonstrated the power of God in the church. It demonstrated what the infilling of the Holy Spirit was in every believer and the potential that every believer has when they walk with God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is real, but it's real for the purpose of power in the believer's life. That's what it's about. It's about the witness of God in us, that God lives in us, so that when we pray for the sick and they get healed, that's a manifestation of the presence of God in us and God touching another human being. Peter walked out one day, and, and he must have walked out many times, and everyone would get on the other side of the shadow. Wherever he was staying, he'd walk out, and the sun would reflect on one side. I always saw it as a picture like this, that it, his shadow would be on this side, and they'd bring all the sick, and they would lay them. See my You can't see it, but I have a shadow right here. And they would lay the sick. All the, all the way down that roadway. And every time that his shadow, his shadow would touch a body, they'd be healed. Kind of reminds you of Elijah, huh? When they, when they dug that grave uh, next to Elijah and they threw that guy in the, in, the, in the grave and the power of God hit that guy in, from the, Elijah's bones and that man came back to life. God is not slack at anything, especially in our lives. If we will walk with him, he'll teach us how to live our lives. He'll teach us how to walk out our lives in the way that he wants us to live. You should be hearing his voice. You should be moving with where his spirit is going. You should be accomplishing his purpose day to day. Sometimes that's a mother tending to her children. Sometimes that's a father loving his, his family. See, it all comes down to one thing. Love. Galatians 5 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in this one word. You shall love the neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, be aware lest you be consumed by one another. You know what that's saying? It's that we can get so consumed with our story and our drama that we can literally hate one another and destroy everything that God's trying to do in us. How many of you know that the enemy is trying to destroy the church? I mean, I'll tell you something, that, that we have forces that would like to cave in the walls of our church. They would like to be able to tell us what we can preach. They would like to be able to tell us what we can believe. They would like to put us out of business. You know that? That's real. Overseas, in, in the Muslim countries, they kill people. You know what they do to them? They cut their heads off. They burn their churches. And in some places, in some countries, they have negated God in their country. Their churches stand, but they're empty. And the story of, of in Africa where there was genocide going on day after day. Soldiers were killing anybody they saw. It's a true story, by the way. Pastors would go out into the swamps and to the jungles 
And they would stay there all day and they would pray and seek God. They'd seek God for a deliverance. They'd seek God for a nation that, was, that would, would set the, the faith of man free. They prayed day after day and they, and, and they were afraid to walk down the street because they were afraid they would be killed. We don't live there. But they did. And the fate of all of them was death. But they just kept praying. Just like the guys in the Sea Breeze Islands. Seven men in a barn praying all night. They prayed all night, every night. They prayed and they prayed just like these pastors would go out into the jungles and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and, and wait, praying for God to bring deliverance, praying God to bring salvation, praying God to heal their nation, praying God to, to make a difference. An amazing thing, in the Sea Breeze Islands, there's only a church and a half that were open. All the other churches were closed. Listen to what I'm saying to you, please. As they prayed in the jungles, God began to change things. Change regimes, and they came out, and they began to try to live their lives, and it started it all over again. And the Lord spoke to them and said, I didn't tell you to quit praying. So they went back into the jungle and they kept praying and praying and praying. Just like they did on Azusa Street, they were praying and praying and praying. Just like they did in the Seabreeze Islands, they were praying and praying and praying. See, see God listens to his people, but how hungry are we for him? to heal our families, to heal our nation, to heal our schools, to heal our lands. And they prayed. And God changed the regime again in Africa. But this time they didn't quit praying that God would move upon the nation and make a righteous nation of her. And God raised up a president in that place that was a Christian. And they kept praying. And they kept praying and God began to change the nation, change the constitution. And one day, God began to send churches and they began to come into this and they began to pop up all over the place. And people began to get saved. And people began to get saved. And people began to get saved. And God changed that nation. And he changed that nation for the glory of God. Why? Because those people walked in the abiding presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Seabreeze Islands, they kept praying and praying, and they would see lights. They would see lights in, in these barns and these houses. They would stay on later and later. Then one day, one day when it was ready, one day when God was ready, God began to pour out over that place. They said it was like a golden mist that began to fall from heaven. And because there was no churches, people went, really, they went to the chief of police and to the police and began to confess their sins. God, the Holy Spirit, was moving in power. He was bringing conviction. He was bringing a deep conviction of heart, and people could feel that conviction, and they were being moved by God to repent and be saved. We cannot live this life without God the Holy Spirit. There's no church without God the Holy Spirit, no matter what your doctrine is. Because he replaced Christ in us. And when you hear God speak, it is the Holy Spirit speaking to you the very words that God is speaking from heaven to you. whether it was the Seabreeze Islands or it was Azusa Street where they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed 
and God began to fall on Azusa Street. And people began to come and get saved and their lives began to be transformed and changed. Ask your question. What do you really want for your family? That's where it began. You giving all yours to him and walking with him daily. Enoch walked with God and he was translated. See, God is after your heart, no matter who you are. If you think he's going to let up on you, you're wrong. He's not. Because he wants you. He wants you to walk with him. Because through your life, God is able to accomplish a lot of things. There's a lady who used to go to a Baptist preacher's house. Every time her children were sick, she'd knock on the door. She said, are, are your kids sick? He said, yeah. So she'd go in and lay her hands on them and pray for them. They'd get well and she would leave. Somehow she knew every time that, that kid, those kids were sick in that church. Now, she was just a layperson, guys. So she was. But she loved God. She walked with God. She prayed. She knew God. And she knew her gifts. God will chase you down. That's the thing about God. He wants you. He don't want part of you. God wants all of you. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your life. He wants everything in you to belong to him. He wants you to walk with him. Not some of the time, but every day of your life. In everything that you do. In every action that you take. No, you can't run away from it. Because if you try, you're going to be tormented. Here it is. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one who would lay his life down for another. See, he says, I abide with you when you walk in my love. What does that mean? That doesn't mean hate. He can't abide in hate. He can't abide in the stories of your life. He can't abide in any of that because that's not where he lives. Jesus lives in the midst of the truth of who he is, and he is love. (coughs) And right here he tells us, if you're going to abide in me, in my presence, in my abiding presence, you have to walk in love. Now that's not a conditional love, that's an unconditional love. <clears throat> that's not a judgmental love, that's not a love that tries to change someone, that's a love that accepts someone where they are and loves them for who they are and is there for them and edifies them and builds them up and fills their life with God's love that's in their heart. It's tough, isn't it? How we decide what we'll love and what we won't. See, you may not like the person who is a drug addict on the street, but guarantee you God loves that person as much as he loves you. It doesn't change. What changes is when we begin to walk, in what God has given us to walk in. We don't get to decide what who we love. 
Because if we love, if we say we love someone, he puts it this way in First John: You cannot hate your brother whom you can see, and love God whom you cannot see. Yeah, that honorary neighbor next door that drives you nuts. Yeah, that bratty little kid that's always causing trouble. What did Jesus do? Jesus never turned anybody away. All who came to him, he healed them. He touched them. He served them. He loved them. And we think that we have the right to choose who we'll love and who we won't. We don't have that right. Husbands, love your wives, period. Knock it off. Knock off everything else. Just love your wife. Nurture her. Build her up. Make her your princess. Give her your, all, all your attention. Make her know that you're the only one the only one, the only one in your life. That's where it begins at. It begins with the one you're with. It begins with the people you live with. It begins with your family. It doesn't begin out there. It begins right here. Just because you're married to them don't mean don't mean you have to uh, be ugly to them. Let me tell you something about a woman. It's really simple. She just wants to love and be loved. And I can tell you when you I can tell you how you know she doesn't feel loved is when her eyes go half masked. And when she does that, believe me, you it, that's a warning to you because you do it long enough. He'll drive the love out of her heart for you. Believe me, I'm telling you, that's the truth. Divorce begins right there. That's how it begins. You can ask any woman sitting next to you if that's the truth or not, and they'll all tell you the same thing. It is. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, joy, and peace. Aha, and the Holy Spirit. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. See, when we walk with God, those three things and other things become what we walk in. We begin to walk in the righteousness of God. We begin to walk in the peace of God. And we begin to walk in the joy of God because we're walking with God through the Holy Spirit. Look, it takes a little effort on our part to live there. Well, I know what Christians want. We want God to do all of it. But God says this is a relationship. You have to, I'll show you the way, but you have to walk in, you have to walk that way that I'm going to show you. I'll show you the pathway, but you've got to walk in it. I'll light your pathway, but you've got to walk that pathway. Not some of the time, all of the time. That's the whole concept of the church, was to be a light to the world. It was to be a bright a bride sitting on a hill. It was a bride that the world could see that they would stand in all of the church. You ever looked at it lately? Looked at the church lately? Tell me, what do you see? <laughs> kind of ugly, ain't it? Why? Because God wants you to walk that way before your family, before your children, before your wife, before your neighbors. 
inside your church. It's a conscious decision to live there. And by faith, we know that that's what God wants. And if we know that's what God wants, by faith, that's how we live there. Got to let it go. <laughs> you got to let all that garbage go. Because it's going to knock on your heart. When all that garbage raises to the surface, you've got to let it go. You've got to learn how to walk differently than the way you've been walking. You cannot walk there no more. You cannot live there no more. Because that's not where God lives. God does not abide there. God abides in the, his character in you. So someone offends me. Big deal. Let it go. Get over it. What did Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. You like that one? Maybe this one will be better. That's what he says. Because, we're sh because as we walk together, we're going to rub each other. I'm sorry. In marriage, you're going to rub each other. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to rub each other. But it gives us opportunity to abide in our walk with God. What a greatest demonstration is to walk as a man of honor in the glory of God in the midst of our family. The mother walking in the glory of God and the honor of God under and with her husband reflecting the wonderful beauty of God to their family. You know, you're loving your kids. You're, you're reflecting the glory to your kids. You know what they're going to want? They're going to want to be where you are. No, I messed it up, didn't we? Last one, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the character of God. That's where the Spirit of God is leading. That's the pathway that God wants you to walk down. He wants you to walk in love. Yeah, I know I keep hitting you guys with love, but I'm trying to get that into your heart, that you would understand that that's what God wants in your heart. He wants love in your heart. But he wants peace in your heart. And he wants joy in your heart. Real joy. Real joy. Not that <laughs> kind of joy, but real joy. Where you're light, you're lighthearted. You feel, you feel the very presence of God in your life. You feel the, the greatness of God around you. You feel the power of God. And it just lifts you up out of that place. As you give him praise and glory and honor, you lift him higher. Lift him higher. Your love is lifting me higher than I've ever been lifted before. Right on. Just keep on riding higher and higher on the love of God. Keep riding higher and higher on the peace of God. Keep growing and growing and growing. And then what happens one day you wake up and you say, my gosh, that's been a wonderful journey. You look at your wife start laughing. She looks at you and laughs harder. <laughs> It's patience. Build a roof over it and silence and endure it. It's what love does. Well, you say, well, they're not my cup of tea. Then build a roof over it and silence and wait patiently. Enduring. Enduringly patient. Long-suffering. You ever heard that word, long-suffering? It means walk it out all the way. Goodness. How many of you are good? I mean, really, how many of you are really good? How many of you have un you know, unbelievable kindness emanating from your being towards everyone around you? 
That's love. How about faithfulness? How about are you walking in faith? You know, it says, uh, it says this love is enduring and it is believing. You know, I believe that word believing means, that word believing means to entrust. Are you entrusting your lives to everyone around you? That's what God does with us. That's what his love does for us. He entrusts himself to us. He wants us to entrust ourselves to one another. And when you're walking in love, that's what you do. That's what Jesus did. That's how he lived his life. He entrusted himself. He may have not trusted humankind, but he entrusted himself to them by living his life as an open book before them. We don't get to choose how we live our life. We have to follow the pattern that God has laid down for us. And the pattern that God has laid down for us is the is really, I, I have to say this, it is the the pattern is this ideal that we would walk in love with one another. Being open to one another and being patient with one another and being kind to one another. We all want that. There's not one person in this room that doesn't want that. There's not one person in this room that doesn't want to be treat, treated that way. I don't care who you are. You want that. You want to, you want that for yourselves. Then God says, "Give it to others. Demonstrate me by doing it for others. Walk with me, church. Walk with me. Walk with me." That's really what God is saying. And it again, so simple. You ever heard that thing is that this thing about you, how to get healed? The one thing we don't want to do, confess our sins to one another. How many of you want to confess your sins to someone else? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, but love entrusts itself to another. That's what love does. And so what it means simply is means that no matter what someone says to you, they're entrusting everything they say to you, and it's something that you believe in, and you trust, you take that trust, and you hold it, no matter what. And you demonstrate it back in the same way that they demonstrate it to you. Hey, you know what I did? Hey, you know what kind of person I really am? Really, would you accept somebody else if they really told you about what they, who they really are? Come on now. Come on now. Would you reveal to them your thoughts? Would you? You can hide it from me, but you can't hide it from him. God comes into our lives which are broken. He comes into our lives when we are a mess, when we come to that place of decision which he draws us to, and we openly accept him and confess before him, and you know what happened? Immediately his love begins to lift us up. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what we are. Let's pray.
Husbands, lay your hands on your wives, would you? It's a good thing to do, you know what I mean? Just lay your hand. Pray with me. Father, touch my wife. Love her, Lord. And help me to love her the way I need to. Bless her today, Lord. Let her see my kindness poured out to her. Let me in some way reveal to her how important she is to me. Because God, she is my half. She is the love of my life. She is my light. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message by Pastor Jay Petty. May you have a great week and may everything you do be blessed by God.